Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Savior, Pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today once again. I am looking forward to our broadcast today. I want to begin with a little commentary right at the beginning of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And there's some commentary I thought was very, very interesting and very vital, quite frankly, for the saints of God today. It begins this way. On a bed of grass, a chameleon's skin turns green. On the earth, it becomes brown. The animal changes to match the environment. Many creatures blend into nature with God-given camouflage suits to aid their survival. It's natural to fit in and adapt to the environment. But followers of Christ are new creations born from above and changed from within with values and lifestyles that confront the world and clash with accepted morals. True believers don't blend in very well. So the Christians in Corinth, excuse me, were struggling with their environment. 
kind of like today, surrounded by corruption and every conceivable sin, they felt the pressure to adapt. They knew they were free in Christ, but what did this freedom mean? How should they view idols or sexuality? What should they do about marriage, women in the church, and the gifts of the Spirit? These were more than theoretical questions. The church was being undermined by immorality and spiritual immaturity. The believer's faith was being tried in the crucible of immoral Corinth, and some of them were failing the test. So I thought that was a a very, very interesting and obviously amazing statement there because today there are believers all over the world and uh, they are living in different environments and the environments that we're living in are very corruptible and uh, very immoral. We live in a very immoral, decadent time on the history of uh, planet Earth. And, uh, you know, the immoralists, the pagans of the world, the heathen of the world, the rebellious antichrist people of the Earth, they love their heathenism. They love their paganism. You know, they think of Valhalla as their place where they're going to drink and eat like Muslims believe that they're going to have 72 virgins after death, you know, if they blow everybody up. So we have all these pagan ideas, pagan thoughts, these corrupt influences, uh, a Roman empire, if you will. And you have now these Christians, these believers that are living in the midst of this and the sensuality and the sexuality of the world is calling them in one direction. And then the pressure from a pagan society getting stronger through the blood sacrifices of 90 million innocent babies in our generation, think about it, the altars of idolatry, where the, the, the sacrificial ritualistic blood that was shed to energize the demons, to assist the satanic priesthood in the earth to forward their plans and purposes that fulfill God's word in a one-world government, in a, a sick, sick world. So the pressure, the governmental influence, the... Uh, the, the, the decadent times, the immoral condition, um, believers falling away and others watching, the temptation, all these things are not new. All these things have been going on since the beginning of time with the fall of Adam all the way up into the beginning of the church age 2,000 years ago and most definitely in the world in which we live today. We are Christians. We are believers in Jesus Christ. Our belief comes from our faith. We happen to have a gift of faith to believe that the gospel is true. There's no secret to that. There's no mystery to that. There's no hiding that reality. I don't know why I'm a believer or why God chose me to believe or how I came to faith. I mean, I just know 40 years ago at the age of 19, somebody told me about Jesus, told me about his love, told me about forgiveness, told me he had a plan for my life. And my God, were they right. But I don't know where that faith came. I just don't know. There have been other times in my life where people presented little flyers to me on the streets of Jersey City, New Jersey, on a Friday night when we were going out to party. And they told me about Jesus, and we laughed at them. We mocked them, only to find ourselves two weeks later in a depression calling out saying, hey, can you guys pray for me? (laughs) So the bottom line is, Uh, We came to this faith in Christ, and this faith does not blend with the world. The gospel does not blend with the world. And we live at a time where many people in the church are trying to blend in with the world. They're trying to act like the world. They're trying to get the world's approval. 
they don't want to be, you know, standing out and spotlighted by the world and looked at and viewed as religious, you know, heretics or, uh, you know, radical whatever fanatics. So, but the fact of the matter is that during the church age in the last 2,000 years, all believers, true believers and followers of Jesus have had to go against the flow. They've had to go against the times, the, 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 the immoral moments that they've had to go through. And thank God that there have been more moral times, even in our own country. You go back a generation ago, it was more moral. You go back maybe to, gosh, go back to the 17, 1800s. I mean, there's always been sin, but we had more morality. Going into, you know, coming out of World War II, we were still a very moral nation in comparison to where we are today or what other societies had been. I mean, people went to church. They didn't go to work on Sunday. and uh, There was a more moral condition. We didn't have abortions. Homosexuality you went to prison for. Uh, you know, if you got a divorce, you were viewed upon by society as, you know, your trouble. Uh, and so we once had that in this nation. This generation we've grown up in, has become not just immoral, but it's been ex- exponentially demoralized. And we now live in a society that's very, you know, funky. And here we are as Christians, we're needing to walk in it without adapting to it, not being chameleons. We're to stand out. We're the salt. We're the light. We're the ones that are supposed to be conflicting with society. And so many in the church are not in the conflict. They're not up for the battle. You know, they'd rather stand up in some uh, other climate and, and, and present their Christian views in a particular way that's satisfying to the world. And that's not the way it works. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and in today's environment, you're going against the flow. You're going upstream like the salmon. You're going against the flow and you're struggling to get to a place in Christ where you can rest and be at peace while not giving up your calling to be salt and earth. So uh, we live in these times. They're very real times. And I've got some scripture I want to really present to everybody today. Uh, Everybody's listening now to what happened yesterday, the supposed leak uh, that's coming out of uh, the Supreme Court that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade after 50 years. I mean, next year, uh, 2023, will be 50 years of mass murder of innocent blood and I guess it's always good to stop that stuff, but I wonder if it's real. I wonder if this so-called leak is reality, or is it another midterm trick? I have Brother Michael sent me some stuff that, uh, you know, you, you do have to consider. And the moment I heard about the leak, the very moment I heard about it, my inward parts kind of rose up with red flags. Don't take the bait so quickly. Well, I do know that Mayorkas, the head of the DHS, Uh, is forming an information board, a governance board to control the narrative against people that would bring. Now, here's what I think is amazing about that before I get into the word. Uh, I think it's amazing that this Mr. Mayorkas, who to me appears to be uh, outspoken, you know, he's like the rest of them. He's a homosexual, for goodness sake. It's so obvious you look at the man's face. But anyways, uh, my point in saying that is not to be degrading but to say that these are the people that are running things, these sexually immoral, uh, a lot of them are involved in pedophilia, a lot of them are involved in homosexuality, a lot of the women are involved in witchcraft, drinking blood, 
you know, having sexual orgies and just blasphemous, satanic witchcraft, you know, sexual, sexually perverse things. That's a reality. That's what they covered up on Epstein Island when they had a murder, supposedly, or they took him somewhere else. Who knows if he was really a Mossad agent. God only knows, right? But the fact of the matter is it's, that's hush-hush because there were too many high-powered politicians that were participating in that infamous act. Now, we have this man that is forming this governance board because there are people whose speech or narrative uh, connect with violence. That's what he's saying. But I wonder where the governance board was in 2019 and 2020 when the left and the people that were involved in bringing all the fires and the destruction were saying, burn the blank down. You know, there were people calling for America to be burned to the ground. They were the people over in Missouri that were having the first riots and the shedding of blood and fires and all that. You'll remember that. I forget the name of the town, but in Missouri, there was a place where everybody was just, you know, saying, burn it down. And then, of course, the George Floyd thing that came around and all the narrative, kill them. They were holding Donald Trump's head in their hand. Here they're holding, in, in Central Park, New York, the head of Donald Trump in a skit, and that one comedian woman, and they're talking about killing the president, for goodness sake. There was no governance board there. And yet what they were saying was inciting to violence. So we know that Mayorkas is a hypocrite. And we know that the whole left is a hypocrite. It's a hypocrisy. And I don't know how far they're going to go. But, it, it, you know, I'm kind of under the impression it doesn't need to get even off the ground. But everything they do is working because of the... Uh, the chameleon effect of the Christian church blending in a society rather than confronting it. And so there's really no resistance. And so everything they want to do, they just do. And, you know, people get excited. Oh, we're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And that would be a good thing. But we don't know if that's really going to happen. And even if it did, what do you do with 50 years of mass murder? Well, it's always good to stop it. But is it going to turn the tide, really? Well, in the climate of things, you have a, uh, like, I I love Greg Kelly on his uh, Newsmax report. He says, you know, what's the difference from the DGB, the Department of uh, Governmental something, the title is DGB, and he said that's just like the KGB. It's what communists do. It's what socialists do. And they control narrative. They control conversation. But what hypocrisy, once again, the massive hypocrisy And yet, because there is no conflicting uh, Christian worldview that's willing to stand up to this, you know, satanic regime that's in the world today, obviously, you just kind of go with the flow. Whatever they do does, and you sit back and you complain about it. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to complain about it. I just think that it's another sign of the times. And I kind of like what, you know, my notes were coming into this today, and I'm going to share them. Um, I believe that a massive labor pain is coming. And whatever that coming is, is it an hour? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? I don't know. But I know that we've been in the pause of the pangs in in spite of all the crazy movement that we've had. You know, I would imagine a woman that's having pangs and then goes into a pause. There's probably some settling that goes on. But I don't know. Maybe somebody can confirm that. But what I do know is that when the pang comes, and I believe that this next pang, you can't say, you know, here it comes or there it goes. It just comes when it comes. And I believe that there is this coming great pang, a massive labor pain 
on the way. America's desperate attempt to escape the righteous judgment of God is pathetic. The nation has crossed the point of no return, and yet the people whose eyes are blind cannot recognize the obvious condition of the nation. It is dying. There are not words of human intellect, okay? We're not just saying this out of our imagination or intellect or foolish boasting about knowing anything, okay? But these are the very serious words of God. Remember, he will mock this nation when its calamity comes, and he will not hear the cries for help when the woe arrives. And you just find that in Galatians chapter 6, God is not mocked, be not deceived, God is not mocked, what you sow you'll reap. You go back to uh, Proverbs chapter 1, God says, I will mock you when your calamity comes, and when you cry for help, I will not answer you. So these are the very serious words of God, and they need to be properly understood. We are not living in a time of revival, I think we're living in a time of survival, and maybe an awakening to some degree. This is the year 5782. It is time to wake up. And I wonder if God's people are going to wake up to the reality or they're going to continue down the path of delusion that the adversary is just keeping everybody, you know, keep on coming, you know, get a scent, get on the track. Come on, revival's going to, revival's going to get better, better, better. Keep following, following, following. Oh, there's a hope. Here it is. Oh, and, and then something happens. Oh, we got it. I mean, you have 50 other wrong things happen. No, you can't be there in your mind. Now, there's no other group of people on the face of the earth that desire revival, desire righteousness, desire our streets to be holy again. Uh, There's no other group of people on the face of the earth, but let's just talk about in America, than born-again, spirit-filled Christians who want to see the glory of God manifest all over the world. We're not opposed to that. We want to see the glory. We want to see the, the life pursuit of ha- happiness and the pursuit of happiness. We want to see uh, babies live. We want to see children go to school without being taken over by an evil, you know, satanically inspired teaching union of some sort, you know, to rip your mind. We don't, we don't want to send our kids where transgenderism is now to be bowed down to and to be touted and to be accepted. We don't want to be a part of that. No. We desire righteousness. We desire holiness. We desire life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We desire good things, holy things, wonderful things. You know, we're not opposed to good and wonderful things. You know, bring on out of Hollywood Lassie again. Bring out, you know, Jeremiah Johnson. Bring out something wonderful and adventurous and, you know, life-giving. But we don't need, you know, all the filthy stuff that's going on in our society We don't want it. So what the Christians are doing, the real ones, is they're saying, God, you've got to put an end to this. Now, I am convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it's not going to to solve any problems in our country. Hollywood's not going to stop pouring out their filth. The government's not going to stop being corrupt. The states are going to be left to making a decision whether abortion is legal or not. It's not going to end the problem, but how does a holy God in heaven view 90 million abortions and then, again, over 500 million, that's a half a billion, sponsored by the taxpayer dollars in the United States of America globally around the world? No. You see, you have to understand, while we would desire revival, 
to see the glory of God, we weep when we just think about revival. You know, we just, the, our, our eyes pour out tears and, our, and, and the tears stream down our faces and our hearts yearn for the glory of God and the righteousness of God and the holiness of God and the beauty of the Lord and the purity of God. We want that. We want to get involved. We want to do something. Don't think we don't. We do. But that's not where we are. That is not where we are. We are in something beyond anything the church in 2,000 years of what is called the church age has ever been in. And if anything, it's Rome, it's the catacombs, it's the Colosseums, it is Nero, it is the insane leaders of the society, it is Nazi Germany, it is, it's all of that, but globally at the same time, not just over in Rome 2,000 years or Nazi Germany 80 years ago or whatever. It's global reality of what's going on in China, what's going on in Russia, what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on in Asia, what's going on in South America, what's going on in Australia, what's going on all over the world in, in, in here in North America. Well, what is going on? What's happening? The world is in the moment that the Bible said it would be in. Bible predicted a time on planet Earth where the whole world would be involved. The book of Revelation, the final prophecy to be fulfilled in the end times, involves the birds of the air, the fish in the sea, mountains, oceans, deserts, it involves the sun, the moon, the stars. It involves angels and demons, God and the devil, saints and the heathen. The book of Revelation incorporates into it every living thing. And guess what? In our final generation, you're in it too. And you're going to fit into some paradigm in the book of Revelation. Your life is going to be in, you're in it. Because that book of Revelation, which obviously is a prophecy. The book of Revelation is called a prophecy. A prophecy is a foretelling of future events. Five times in the book of Revelation, we're told that this is a prophecy. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy. And for 2,000 years, every generation since the book was written has been waiting to see if they're the generation that that prophecy is going to be fulfilled in. Well, here we are in the year 2022, and we have absolute pure evidence that the things written in the book of Revelation have not been fulfilled. They are not fulfilled. There are types and shadows. There are glimmers. There are moments where it appeared everything was looking that way. But that's not surprising. There, there was a prophecy about the birthing of Messiah, the coming of the Messiah to save the world. But before he actually came, there were many others that were coming saying, I'm the one, I'm the one. There were glimmers, types, judges prophets and they all each one was you're the one are you the one are you the one it looked like it but it wasn't it the book of revelation prophecy has never been fulfilled never but has it begun absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt our generation would be blinded and foolish more than it already is to to, to imagine now nah, the book of revelation hasn't begun yet of course it has there are things written that have happened in our generation that are being fulfilled. 
And again, I would challenge your thinking in this. When it comes to the book of Revelation, the final prophecy, I would challenge you. There's a number of challenges. I'm going I'm to put a few challenges out there. You might want to write them down if you're serious about the book of Revelation, okay? I challenge you to go and start in chapter 4, get beyond the seven letters to the seven churches, and in chapters 2 and 3, and in chapter 1, the introduction. The easiest way to read the book of Revelation is chapter 1 is an introduction. Chapter 2 is uh, letters to the seven churches, representing the churches throughout the entirety of the church age. It involves every believer. There's things to learn in those seven letters. But in chapter 4, uh, a, a visual of what's happening. Now, if you start in chapter 4 in your Bible, and um, <clears throat> I, I always advocate the King James Bible, but if you start in chapter 4, verse 1, what you'll find is that the book of Revelation, the prophecy, is an unfolding of events. Every single chapter, and you should challenge this, the first word in every single chapter <clears throat> begins with either and or after this I saw. In other words, there's a continuum of thought. You can't read it. And, and again, this is always something, you know, I have to do. And some of you have heard this many times, but I want to challenge your thinking on this because there's a number of things we have to, to see. So the book of Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 begins what way? This is right after the letters to the churches. After this, I looked. Okay, so chapter 4 begins with, after this, I looked. Chapter 5 begins with, and I saw in the right hand. Chapter 6 begins with, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Chapter 7, verse 1, and after these things, I saw. Chapter 8, verse 1, and when he had opened the seventh seal. Chapter 9, verse 1, and the fifth angel sounded. Chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel. Chapter 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. Chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder. Chapter 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Chapter 14, verse 1. And I looked in lo, a lamb. Chapter 15, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven. Chapter 16, verse 1. And I heard a great voice. Chapter 17, verse 1, and there came one of the seven angels. Chapter 18, verse 1, and after these things I saw. Chapter 19, verse 1, and after these things I heard. Chapter 20, verse 1, and I saw an angel. Chapter 21, verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Chapter 22, verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. Why do I, why do I read that? I mean, don't you think it's interesting that a book that's written, and if you take away the chapters and you just leave the words, everything is a continuum. The word and connects the previous thought with the thought that's on the way. Something that was done, now it's because something else is going to happen. So this happened, and this happened, and then this happened, and then I heard this, and after that I saw this. It's a continuum. So when the prophecy begins... Which, by the way, if you view the book of Revelation prophecy, it's very clear it's all about a woman in travail. And when you get to the very seals, the very first seal is a white horse, and he's carrying a bow. And if you look at the word bow, it means toxin, and it gets all the way down to a woman in travail in definition. So you have to be willing to study these things out. 
So chapter one, chapters two and three, letters to the seven churches, you and I and all the church age in between. Chapter four, John goes into heaven. He's about to see things and hear things because he's going to prophesy and it's glorious. Chapter five is about a little book in the hand. It's got seven seals on it. Everybody's weeping because nobody could open the book. Finally, the, the Lamb of God opens the book, and the first seal is broken, and the prophecy begins in Revelation chapter 6. With the white horse that has the bow, which means a woman in travail, or the foundation, or the beginning. And, of course, there's a lot of information connected to that I don't want to get into right now. Because another thing to consider when you're studying the Revelation, the prophecy, is when something begins, you know it's now a woman. She's had her first birth pang. And the, the first seal is the very first birth pang of the prophecy. So if we could identify the first seal when it opened in our generation, why is that important in our generation? Why would we have to look for an event that took place in our generation? Going back to 1948, because a generation is 70 years or 80 if by strength. We know Israel is 73 years old. This month, she's turning 74. May 14th, just what, 11 days from now? May 14th, Israel will be 74 years old since that began over there in the Middle East. Why is it important that we, we view from that moment, 1948, some event must take place. This is after World War I, after World War II. Since 1948, why do we look for an event to happen that will actually begin and open up the prophecy? Well, here's the mystery. Go back to the very beginning of Scripture. Go back to the very beginning. And what you'll find is, biblically speaking, <clears throat> the Abrahamic covenant. You've got to go all the way back to Abraham. Abraham is having a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Um, Jacob is becoming a group of about 70. He's got 12 sons. But what happens? Those people, because of Joseph, are taken down into Egypt. The nation of Israel multiplies in Egypt. When they went down there, there were only 70 of them. 70. That doesn't represent a nation. But out of those 70, over 400 years of being in Egypt, they multiplied. It became a great nation within the empire of Egypt. So Israel as a nation, in everything I'm about to say to you, is a nation when there's a ruling power, a one-world government. Egypt was the one-world government. Egypt was the ruling power, and it had a pharaoh. So you had a man of sin, so to speak. You had a one-world government, okay? But Israel is now a nation within that context. Well, what? and so Egypt is the first empire, while Israel's a nation. So now the next empire that we know about, while Israel is a nation, is the Assyrian Empire. Israel is a nation, and the Assyrians are the new world rulers that conquered Egypt or became the great ruthless, cruel nation. They were vicious, the Assyrians. So we know that they were the second empire while Israel was a nation. The third one world government 
The third ruling world empire was Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. Israel was a nation. The fourth was the Medo-Persian Empire. Okay, the Medo-Persian Empire came to power while Israel was a nation. That's important. The next was the Grecian Empire. The fifth was the Grecian Empire. And the Grecian Empire came to power while Israel was a nation. The sixth was Rome, the Roman Empire, while Israel was a nation. And then we know in Revelation chapter 17, there's a seventh that had not yet come. And when it comes, it has to rule for a short period. But notice, in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, Israel was scattered to the ends of the earth. Imagine that. They were not a nation after 70 AD. So whatever happens from 70 AD all the way to 1948, if you will, is a gap. It's a gap. And that gap is whatever's happening in the world, whoever is, you know, while the eastern and western parts of Rome were being destroyed by the Goths and the Visigoths and all, or whoever it was, uh, the Huns or, you know, Attila or whatever that came along, Rome was absolutely destroyed at that point. Then came maybe uh, another empire. We know the British Empire came to power. We know that the, uh, the Islamic Caliphate of the Ottoman Empire became a great nation. But it was all happening while Israel is not a nation. What great superpowers came to power when Israel was rejoined as a nation in 1948? Well, since that time, since Israel was gathered together, and there's a lot of mystery behind that as well, but let's track with me for a moment. Since 1948, there were two superpower nations that came into view. Who were they? The United States of America, the youngest of all nations, would be the seventh, if you will, and they would rule for a short time. But also another group came in that was controlled by the United Nations called the United Nations. These are the two superpowers, but the one superpower nation after 1948 as israel became a nation was the united states of america the bible says the seventh will come and it will be a very short time we're the shortest lived nation we're just being destroyed right now and we're only 200 and something years old compared to the other ancient empires so this is important to notice Israel grows up, becomes a nation. It's a nation today under the power of the United States. The seventh will leave, and then an eighth will come. The eighth will come and is made up of the seventh. So the United Nations must be the eighth empire because it contains the Islamic bloc. You know, it's got the Chinese bloc, the communist bloc. It's got the Muslim bloc. It's got all these different nations are all incorporated. It's obvious that the United Nations will be the eighth, and there'll be a man of sin in top, right? So after the destruction of America, which is happening right now, it's dying, it's being destroyed, there's going to be massive destruction of the country. But out of the fall of all the other empires, now the United Nations will rise as the eighth. It will incorporate into itself all the ancient empires since Israel was a nation, and the United Nations will exist while Israel is a nation. Just like it exists, the United States existed while Israel's a nation. That is something to be viewed and understood when you look at the prophecy. Very simple. So, 
How could we deny that our generation is somehow absent from what is going on concerning Bible prophecy? No, we're not absent. We're here. The prophecy began, and we would ask ourselves, well, what one event could be likened unto the white horse representing the first seal after 1948? Let's see. There was the Vietnam War. There was the Korean War. But they really did not impact the whole world. There was all kind of political maneuvering. There were a lot of people killed. There's a lot of trickery, deceit. But it really didn't impact the entire world. Okay? In fact, the, the United States was involved in both of these wars. So... That's not the event that shook the world. Remember, the first seal of, the, of the, the white horse rider has to shake the earth, everything in it, okay? Because it begins the prophecy. And in my research, there's only one event that happened since Israel has been a nation that has shook the entire planet, and that was 9-11. 9-11 shook the earth in the sense that all over the world, as terrorism rode, the rider on the white horse having a bow, right, and a crown, conquering to conquer. Well, on 9-11, New York City, the one carrying a bow, had some arrows, planes, shot his aeroplanes across the sky, hit the Twin Towers, fell short in Pennsylvania, hit the Pentagon building, whatever. You know, again, I know there's a lot of deception around all these things, but track with me. It's a reality. 9-11, you couldn't travel without getting searched. It changed everything. The Patriot Act came into view where people began to spy on everything you're doing. 9-11 was the game changer on the planet. It shook the whole earth at the same time. And then they went forth conquering the conquer, and you saw terrorism in different parts of the world. That was the beginning of sorrows. That was the beginning of the labor pains. And again, when you study out that word, bow, it actually talks about a woman in travail. It talks about, it's the word toxin. It talks about um, the foundation. The beginning. Now, the word Al-Qaeda, interestingly enough, because they said Al-Qaeda was the one behind the 9-11 event, Al-Qaeda means the base or the beginning or the foundation, just like the definition bow actually is. As a matter of fact, I want to do something just because I think it's worthy to do. I'm going to give you the exact definition here. I'll give you the exact one. Uh, let's go here, and I want to just read it because I think it's important to do. So the word bow in Revelation, okay, in the book of Revelation, here's what it means. Revelation chapter 6, verse 2, and again, you could follow with this. The word bow comes from the Greek word, so I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, okay. The word bow is toxin, and the word actually means a bow, or it is a fabric in the simplest Okay, uh, that's the simplest fabric, a bow. Now, you could tie this into the, the fabric, also representing uh, in the realm of a book, 
you have a cover on the book, a fabric. You know how they used to roll it up? Okay. But watch this. Go a little bit deeper because it's from the base of 5088. And the word in 5088 is the tiptoe. And you look at the word tiptoe, and here's what the definition is. I'm going to read it all. It's a strengthened form of a primary teco, okay, to, and it means to produce. So the, this white horse, the first seal, means to produce from seed as a mother, a plant, the earth, literally or figuratively. It means to bear, to be born, to bring forth, to be delivered, to be in travail. So the ticto which is from the teco, literally means to be in travail in the definition. It also means of a woman giving birth, a woman in travail. It means to bring forth. So what happens on 9-11? That first pang, the white horse, the one carrying the bow, brought forth the beginning of the end of our nation. It brought forth the beginning of the prophecy. While Israel is a nation, the prophecy has begun. I believe on 9-11-2001. That could be refuted. That's fine. But then you start following the next horse is the red horse of war. We know that right after 9-11, George Bush came to the pulpit and said, we're going to on a global world war. And you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. He separated the world. He identified the axis of evil. He said, we're going on a global world war. He said, there's going to be a lot of propaganda. I mean, there was a lot of stuff the president said, but most people didn't catch that he fulfilled Bible prophecy in the book of Genesis, chapter 16 and chapter 21, when he said, you're either with us or the terrorists, because the terrorists were supposed to be Al-Qaeda, coming from the Arab world, coming from the seed of Ishmael. And the seed of Ishmael, when Hagar gave birth, God said that he's, uh, Hagar's son would be called Ishmael. He will be a wild man. I mean, God's, God hears, but he identified him as a wild man whose hand would be against every man's hand, and every man's hand would be against him. So when George Bush said, you're either with us or the terrorists, he said, you're either on our side, every man's hand, or you're with the terrorists who will be against every man's hand. So here's Ishmael. And what is Ishmael? You go to chapter 21, verse 20, I believe it is, and Ishmael is an archer. And it's interesting that the white horse rider has a bow. It means fabric. It could also be a bow with arrows, aeroplane shot across the sky, but it also means the beginning to produce, to bring forth the beginning of the prophecy. You, you search it out, you dig deep, and you find some things that you have to consider, regardless of what your prior beliefs are. And if you're, you know, like a lot of people, once you're established in what you believe, it's hard to be convinced. But if you're teachable, truth can come, and you can humble yourself and allow other things to be produced to your mind. So in my mind, what happened on 9-11, and then, of course, that was in 2001. In 2003, when God said, while we were blowing shofars and walking, doing our prayer walks, do not pray for America. It has crossed the point of no return. Well, that was in 2003, and it's never returned, and it's never going to return. America's dying. The death blow is on the way. The travail, the prophecy, it's all here. Now, have there been labor pains since 9-11? Yeah, the red horse of war. Have there been economic imbalances? Go back to 2007, 2008. And again, you can't view this simply as an American prophecy, whatever's going on in America. 
But it happened in America on 9-11 that changed the whole world. The, it, the, the president of the United States declared a global world war from America, but it, it impacted the whole world. So the economic imbalance of the black horse rider, and there's a mystery here, e- economies were shaken. The Arab Spring came forth. There was revolutionary war. I mean, a lot of stuff happened if you go back and mark it. Now, the fourth horse rider was hunger and famine and death and pestilence and, you know, the beasts of the earth, all these things were happening. The mystery that you have to get behind in the four horses, which, by the way, are the white, the red, the black, the green, representing the colors of the Islamic world. But you have to get behind the scene that once these horses leave the gate, in other words, the seal opens, something's released, it doesn't end there. It's not just a one-time event. The Bible actually says that these horses will ride unto the end. And the only time these four horses will ever be confronted is when the rider on the white horse of Revelation 19 comes to judge and to make war. But these four horses, so you're going to see this woman in travail. She's going to be giving birth pangs all the way to the end. There's going to be war determined all the way to the end. There's going to be more economic imbalances all the way to the end. There's going to be famine and pestilence and death and war and sword and hunger all the way to the end. These things are in motion now. They're not turning back. You can't tell a woman who's giving birth pangs or having birth pangs, okay, we're done. We're going to stop it short. No, we're in it. And that's why the perspective is we're not going to go back and be made great again. America is the seventh. It is going to die. It's a short-lived nation. And now the eighth is going to come, the United Nations. We're going to see a lot of the population wiped out off the face of the earth, a total population reduction, massive persecution, the rise of the Antichrist, the one world government, which we're all marching towards. And so we keep looking at the seals. We keep looking at the, um, the, the, the trumpets. We keep looking at the events that are unfolding. And then we get into these pauses. And it's really funny about human nature. The moment you have a pause, you just assume it's all over. But a woman that has a massive birth pang out of nowhere, but she hasn't delivered the baby, there's going to be further birth pangs. And by the spirit of the living God, I declare unto you that a massive birth pang is about to hit the world again. From whatever nation, wherever it comes, there is a birth pang that's going to shake the earth. It's coming. Now, the woman's laid in bed. She's had her birth pains or wherever she is, and she doesn't know when it's going to be there, but she knows there's some kind of a knowing that there's going to be a birth pain. She knows it's got to come at some point. She may not feel it right away, but there's movement, and that's where we are right now. I believe that with all my heart. So anyways, you could follow this prophecy. It is in motion. It is going to come to a head. We're going to arrive at Revelation 13. We're going to be in a, a society where you cannot buy or sell. Many that are listening, hopefully all that are listening, are going to make it and endure to the end. You're going to make it through the beginning of sorrows. You're going to come to a place of having to endure the great tribulation for three and a half years, 1260 days, 42 months. Hopefully you're getting ready for the long haul as this thing is being birthed because four billion people are going to die before we get to Revelation 13. Four billion people are going to be destroyed by war, pestilence, 
famine, hunger, death, the beasts of the earth, and all the other natural calamities, who knows, comets, asteroids, meteorites, things falling out of the sky. I mean, you name it, 4 billion people will be eradicated off the earth by the time we get to Revelation 13 in our generation. Now, people are dying all the time, but people are being born all the time. But the events that are coming that are biblically written are going to kill 4 billion people, which means you have to be ready to meet the Lord, whether you're going to endure to the very end and you're going to be alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord, or if you get caught and you're one of those 4 billion that are going to die through persecution, hunger, famine, death, war, whatever, being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people is the mystery. There were people that died on 9-11-2001 when they walked into the Twin Towers in New York City. There were people that were sitting in a church building that were dead, 26 people shot and killed in Texas. So we know that believers can die. We should have learned that lesson a long time ago, looking at the history of the church age. So what what are we saying here? We're in something. And the short narrow-minded view, the pathetic idea that America is going to escape the righteous judgment of God is exactly that, pathetic. It doesn't mean, however, that the saints of God have lost their love. They have an incredible desire to see the glory of God in this earth. We want to live in peace. We want to live in harmony. We want to be in harmony. But you know what they're saying now? You look at the new app, that Apple building in California. It looks like a huge spaceship, right? Massive. Do you know what's right in the center? And, and I challenge you to look at it. Right in the center of that huge Apple corporation business is the rainbow color stadium. We are being told that we're supposed to have harmony with the world in its present form. I maintain that the Bible does not allow for the Christian church to be in harmony with the world in its present condition. And yet there are many people and prophets that are telling everybody we're to be in harmony with it. Look, it's great. We're wonderful. We're having a wonderful time. When in reality, the Bible says, bless those who mourn and lament because of the abominations. That's not being happy in it. That's people mourning and and, and lamenting over the condition of the world, longing for a better time. The only time Christians will ever have harmony with this world is when the glory of God is established in the earth. Now, we want that. Now, it doesn't mean we don't live our lives every day. God has blessed us with life. We have life. We live. We breathe. And we love God. And our joy doesn't come from the world system. Our joy comes from the Lord. Our joy comes within the kingdom of God. We are a kingdom within a kingdom. We are a nation within a nation. We are a people within a people. We're not supposed to sacrifice our kingdom experience to get along with the world. No. Our harmony does not come from being at peace with the world. Our harmony comes from being at peace with God. And because we're at peace with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can have joy in our hearts, love in our hearts, peace in our hearts, goodness in our hearts, kindness in our hearts, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We don't need the world. 
But the church is trying to be in harmony with the world rather than confronting it. They've pacified it, and they've become part of it, and they've lost their witness, and now their salt is good for nothing but to be trodden under the foot of men. So don't accuse true believers of not having love or desiring peace or joy or harmony and to live on the planet that God created in a beautiful way. Because that day is going to come. The whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. The day will come where the righteous government of God will be ruling and reigning on planet earth. We long for that day. But in its present form, you can't be at peace with this world in its present form. You can't. And because the Christian church in America, the superpower nation, the seventh nation, uh, because the Christian church sold out their calling to be watchmen, uh, to be able to, you know, navigate and, and, and see and warn uh, because we gave that up for big stages, limelights and smoke screens and all that stuff. Um, we lost our footing. We weren't able to keep the ground. And because we weren't able to keep our ground and hold our ground, the enemy came in like a flood and the church was pushed out of the way. And now every city in America and around the world has their, you're going to cooperate signs everywhere. There's a big difference, a massive difference, because this is what the left uses right now. This is what the narrative of the left is. They say, we're not going to tolerate racism. The blacks in this country suffered terribly, and we're not going to allow white supremacists or anybody else to do anything against the blacks, we're giving them freedom and liberty, like they're giving them something God didn't already give them. There's a difference between racism and the sin of homosexuality. See, it's not a sin to be black. It's not a sin to be brown. Because beneath the color of every human being, there's red blood. That is not a sin. It was a crime, racism was a crime that's been repented of, punished, you name it, been done. People have broken out and are soaring, becoming presidents. You, you, know, you know how it is. So, and our generation is so disconnected from that whole thing, and we barely understand a lot of it. But homosexuality, see, what the left wants the church to do is say, hey, you need to tolerate this. And if you don't, you're like the racist of old. You're like the old white slave masters, and, and you are not allowed to say anything against transgenderism, homosexuality, pedophilia, lesbianism. You must accept that. And, and if you don't, you're a racist. You're a, you're a bigot. You're, and this is what they've done. But since when are you supposed to legislate liberty of an act that has proven out in every other society to bring destruction that wounds the psyche of a nation, that perverts society, destroys it. This is the twisted philosophy. We're supposed to be okay with it. And so guess what Christians are doing? They're okay with it. They're living to be okay with it. It's so that somehow God is on their side. God's rainbow color is on their side. That's what people are thinking. That God is in toleration of this movement. That God is wanting the rainbow color flag of the LGBTQ community to be outspoken and accepted and loved. And if you don't, you're a bad Christian. That's not, that's not the truth. That's not God. 
These are cancers. The LGBTQ community is a cancer in our society. And the founding fathers and the people all the way up until 2015 kind of knew it. We had laws protecting our society against the cancer of homosexuality and all these other sexually perverse actions. You went to prison. You, the, the founding fathers called for death, that anybody would bring that into society because they knew what it would do. So the LGBTQ community is a cancer, but the church doesn't want to say that. You shouldn't say it's a cancer. That's mean. That's not nice. Well, wait a second. It's a confrontation. It's what it is. It's a cancer that's working through the entire nation and nations. It's a cancer. And yet we've legislated it. It's like a doctor saying, well, Mrs. Jones, you've got cancer, but we're going to legislate it because you're allowed to have that. Nobody should get angry at you, Mrs. Jones, for having that cancer. And anybody that says anything contrary to it will write laws to condemn them. You have a right to have cancer. As a matter of fact, you should let that cancer go down to your ovary, into your breast, into your lungs, and all over your body. Just let it spread. What kind of a sick mind is that? And homosexuality, LGBTQ, is that. And yet everywhere you go, their flags are there. Their colors are there. Why? They establish themselves in every sector of society. And the church isn't supposed to confront it. If you confront it, you're bad. Since when are the good guys called bad for saying bad is bad? Oh, I remember the prophet Isaiah. Yeah, the time will come when they're going to call good evil, and they're going to call evil good. I remember now. Got it. So the pathetic idea that the righteous judgment of God is going to be somehow just whisked away, it's pathetic. And yet people believe that stuff. They believe that stuff. Now, does that mean that in our confrontation that we don't love homosexuals, lesbians, pedophiles? Some of my very best friends had a past with some of these sins. They're my best friends today. They love God more than most. They're more obedient to God than most people that, that were heterosexuals. Yes, there are people that were once homosexuals and lesbians and pedophiles and trans, you know, people did everything. Little boys that wore their mother's bras, whatever. People that had experiences with things. First Corinthians chapter 6 made it very clear, and such were some of you. Some of my closest friends are people that have been that way, but have repented years ago from that stuff and are now serving the Lord, working out their salvation with fear and trembling as we all are doing. So it's not that you don't love homosexuals or human beings that are caught in the sin of homosexuality. You don't not love the woman who is involved in lesbianism or the man that's committing acts. Now, a man that commits acts against little children to wound them and hurt them the way they do where it's not consensual, that's, that's, a, that's a highly volatile issue. But I've known people that have even been there that are now serving God and love the Lord. So we don't stop loving anybody. And what is our love? Tell them the truth. Tell them you're going to die and go to hell. Your government and the Supreme Court may want you to participate, but they're just allowing you to continue in a lifestyle where your soul is going to be destroyed. That's not love. 
Supreme Court doesn't love you because they legislated your desire to let it rip. No. They've damned you because they made you think it's okay. It's not okay. It's a sin. It's a sin of your own conscience. It's wrong. You know it's wrong. But you've, you've, you've allowed them to seal off your heart from the truth of God. And so for the Christian to confront it is the best thing that could demonstrate love than anything else. Not capitulating with it, not yielding to it, not ignoring it, but confronting it so that maybe one person could hear and hear a good Holy Spirit-led message and God's word will not return void unto him. If, if the saints would just speak by the Spirit and tell the truth, well, maybe the truth will start setting some people free. So we don't see the idea is that that razor's edge of balance. We hate the sin. We abhor what is evil. But we love the sinner. We love the sinner. We don't want anybody to perish. We want everybody to know. But the environment we now live in, through legislation, through satanic energy, through demons, through a, a cowardice church, uh, through a non-confrontational church, through a lukewarm church, a compromised church. We've been trained. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Don't confront it. Leave it alone. And if you do, we'll bring our whole legislative branch and we'll put you on the, on the bad narrative governance board. We're going to bring you before the governance board because you spoke things that could connect to violence by telling that what they're doing is evil. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. They didn't say when they're saying burn down the nation. Donald Trump's head in, in, in a mass murder of Julius Caesar being enacted out against Donald Trump. Real violent terms, right? Where was the governance board then? Oh, man. But you know what the judgment on our nation is? That will actually come to power. And all the Republicans in the world with their hypocritical stance of so-called righteousness, they're not going to make it. Now, what needs to happen is societies or parts of society, regions where the righteous elect of God are dwelling, they do need to have righteous elect people standing in the gap in their local state governmental power. I believe that. You get a born-again, radical, spirit-filled believer that is against abortion, wants to do away with homosexuality as a legislated, okay, uh, it's not okay. And so when you find someone against that, that supports moral values, Christian values, biblical values, you want that person in power in your local region. That's not calling for a revival. That's so that that region can survive. Not revive, but survive. Because you need in the local in the, at the regional, at the state level, at the local level, you need people that will stand for what is right. And that's where we move. But not, that's not going to produce revival throughout America. It's not going to save America. No. It's going to cause that region to survive. Now, there are two people. And, there's, and, and between the two, there's, a, there's right here in northwest Arkansas, there's a Leslie Rutledge pretty cool lady, stands for what is right to, to a large degree, but her running mate in the Republican Party, or the person running against her is Jason Rappert. And Jason Rappert, there doesn't seem to be any compromise in the man at all. 
seems to be beyond the established status quo. And Northwest Arkansas and the state of Arkansas need people like Jason Rapper, as I'm understanding and getting to know him more. In fact, we're going to be calling for him to come and be a, a speaker down here in Northwest Arkansas because the primaries are May 23rd. And I'm not opposed to voting for people like that at all, but not with the idea that we're going to change the flow of American society. No. We just want our region to be protected because the Democrats are going to put theirs in there. And the homosexual community is funding with lots of money the left. So the Christians and the right and the moralists and the people that care about our morality, even if they're Democrats, need to vote for Jason Rapper or Leslie Rutledge. I'd like to have both Leslie Rutledge come and speak and Jason Rapper's speech. I'd like to have their their history record behind them showing who they are, what they've done, what they stand for, where they compromised, where they didn't, and then make a decision on which one we need because we need somebody that is uncompromisingly righteous in positions of power. Man, I rejoice when I see godly sheriffs, godly county officials, godly governmental people in, in a society of Christians that want to do what's right. Now, this needs to happen all over the country. And you have to allow for that to be a blessing so that the community can grow around these uncompromisingly righteous governmental officials. The, 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 the people can grow around that. They can congeal with it. They can migrate into it. They can become one. And so you have now local officials standing for what is right, not allowing the evil in. And then a society within your town or city standing up and moving and ruling and reigning surviving so that the flood there'll be a city of refuge there'll be a sanctuary there'll be as Corey ten Boone said that'll be a city of refuge in the days ahead so we got to do this this has got to be done doesn't matter if you believe in the pre-trib rapture or not we still rally around the cross and we stand for what is right biblically but i'm scared that there are a lot of christians that have become silent and don't confront any longer or won't even allow for others to confront for them by not being involved in getting the right people in the position or post that's necessary. So that's about as far as I go on politics. Now, if the churches would rally together in communities like Northwest Arkansas and everywhere else, the churches would just come together, pool their resources. You don't need federal government. We do not need federal government. As a matter of fact, the only wise thing to do while Mayorkas is trying to get a, a governmental board to control the narrative is to secede from the federal government. Why? We don't need their money. They're $30 trillion in debt. It's all fabricated, made up anyways. But if the Christians within our society would gather together and pool their own resources and develop everything that we need to live a moral life in a, in a region that's protected by our own militia or people that are morally right. If we would just do that and say to the federal government, take a hike, we don't need your money. We don't need you. We don't need your federal you know, uh, military power and your politics. In fact, the way you are, you're so wicked and evil, we don't want it. So we separate from you. And then those states gathering together. Do you know that Arkansas is the number one state in America that stands against abortion more than Texas, more than Oklahoma? Arkansas, number one against abortion. 
Now we got to get on that. We got to maximize that. We got to we got to do something with that while we're living here. And I can't tell you how many people have moved into this region, but I'll tell you who moved in a lot. The devil knew Arkansas was going to be a refuge, so he sent all these people from the left and all their godless agendas and all their godless desires. And nobody confronted them or stood in the gap. So now we got to get right people to just root out the evil like the Israelis rooted out the Canaanites. We got to root out the LGBTites. We got to get rid of that. You got to get it out of our society. Got to get it away from our children. And that, that is a deadly disease. Homosexuality Captivating our children is deadly. Abortion is deadly, too. That's the, you know what abortion was all about? From the satanic perspective, they were altars. Every single abortion was taking an altar, taking the blood of that innocent baby, putting it on the altar of idolatry, sacrificing these innocent babies' blood to the god of this world, Satan. And that's how they became so empowered, by blood sacrifices, because the ultimate blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ was no longer being advocated, empowered, exalted. So Satan had all these altars of idolatry, the mass murder, the shedding of innocent blood to empower the demonic who had inspired the people that served the cause of evil. It's a spiritual battle, in other words. This is way beyond a political battle. America's soul is dying because of demonic spirits. Political stuff is only how Satan tells people to rule and reign. You know that's true when he came to Jesus and said, bow down, worship me, and I'll give you all of this. That's all Satan does. He gives man, he gives man power. But he tells man who he gives power to what to do. Men of power don't operate by their own power. They operate either by God's power or by the devil's power. So why do we, why do we say all of this? Just to keep people's minds from drowning in the deception that is everywhere. I, in my heart, when I think about the church coming together, standing in the gap as one, putting people in positions of power to rule and reign in righteousness, even if it's just locally, my heart, I can't even express the way it thrills. I don't know how to say it blossoms and blooms and it illuminates and it's so beautiful. And that's just maybe if we could do it right in the number one state that's standing against abortion, if we could just do it right here. Listen, the LGBTQ community agenda in Northwest Arkansas has to end. And I'm telling you why. Not to be a religious bigot. It has to end because those people thinking it's okay because the government legislated it is sending them straight to hell. If you die as a homosexual, one who practices homosexuality, you are going to die the death. You're going to hell. You're going into the lake of fire. 
You're going to be tormented forever. If you're a woman practicing lesbianism, I don't care who you are in the government, how high-powered you are, what a hero you are to that community. Nobody's here. Nobody here is coming after you with switchblades and torches for a witch hunt. No. What you're hearing is if you're practicing that and you die, you're going to hell. You're not going to meet up with God saying, well done, my lesbian daughter. Well done, my pedophile son. Well done, my homosexual son. You are a real warrior in the world. No, you're going to face the dragon. You're going to face the Satan who deceives you. He's going to rip your soul out. Because he doesn't love you. He hates you. And he's going to kill you 10,000 times a day. Do you understand that the only hope you may have is for the truth to shut down your movement and for you to admit that what you're doing is an abomination to God? All of us have had to admit our sin of whatever sort it was. What, are you too proud with your proud parades to say what you're doing is disgusting? It is disgusting. You've embarrassed your moral parents. You're embarrassing the society. You've embarrassed yourself. God did not create you to be that way. And yet you're ready to fight for your cause. What cause? To go to hell? What cause? There's no cause. You are moved and motivated by satanic rebellion. And you think you're going to get a high five in hell? It's going to rip your soul. It's going to torment you. You have no idea what's going to happen to you for practicing that sin against God. And then telling God that he's okay with it? Are you kidding me? You can't do that. You just can't do that. So it needs to go. It needs to be outlawed again in Northwest Arkansas. You need to outlaw it. You need to say very kindly, we don't do that here. We don't do that in our county. We don't do that in our city. And if the whole world hate us for that confrontation, so what? Hate us, but you're not allowed to fly a rainbow-colored flag. And if you are in a restaurant and you're an outspoken homosexual, you probably need counseling. And maybe we need laws once again to say, no, no, no. And remember, these laws once existed. No, no, no. You can't work in the restaurant with your homosexual ways. No. You need to go to jail for practicing that sin. You're not allowed in society. We don't let mass rapists, not yet, we don't let rapists run rampant in society legislating their rapery. We don't do that. You're not allowed to work in the restaurant as a known rapist. You're not allowed to go to our children's school. No, offensive. But what the world has done has made the church seem offensive. What a parody. Shut it down. 
Pull the flags down. Uproot them. Get out of positions of power. You are not allowed on our school boards. No homosexual, lesbian, transgender will have any say in our school boards with our children. You have no right in our government because your mind is reprobate, according to the Word of God. You have a useless mind. It has no value except for Satan's will. So you're not allowed in our government. You're not allowed in our school boards. We don't want you in our entertainment industry, whatever that is. You're not allowed. You can't. Sorry. Flag down, uprooted, go move somewhere else. That's what needs to happen. Not as a bunch of bigoted people. The people love a moral society that want to protect their children, want to protect their government, want to protect their city, want to protect their county. You're not allowed in here. And i got to ask the local officials, why are you tolerating it? Why are you pussyfooting around with it? Why are you dancing with it? Don't you know it'll bite you? So come on, rise up in northwest Arkansas. And in the love of God, say, you're not allowed to do that. I'm sorry. It's a sin. It's illegal. You go to jail for that. Oh, but I forgot. I forgot what's going on here. Yeah, you could commit all kinds of crime, burn buildings, murder people, kill people, piss on the wall. That's in the Bible, by the way. I'm not being rude. You're right. It defecates cities, but not be held accountable. I forgot about that. Sorry. Oh, that's the twisted society we live in. Make it illegal. Is the church allowed to? (laughs) Are we allowed to? We, the people of the United States of America, right? I mean, we're, what are we, slaves? Have we learned to be slaves to the federal government? You know what Arkansas should do? And Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, and whoever else, right? What we should do is we should secede. Come out of her, my people. Don't let the federal government threaten you for doing what's right. The last time I checked in Romans 13, the only righteous government is a terror to who's evil. And if you do evil, you should be afraid. I didn't see anywhere in Romans 13 where the government is a terror to the good. But they're terrorizing people right now. They're terrorizing people who are good. So the only right thing to do, and I don't know why you guys are so cosmetic and candy-coated that you won't just do something raw and escape your Republican-Democrat paradigm and get into reality. And the states, come on, the states could separate, upholding moral values, Loving people, if you want to do that, do it over there because if, they, if you want to die, go die over there. We love you too much to let you do that in our society. We will help you. We will cast out the demons of perversion in you. We will bind and rebuke every wicked, foul spirit that has entered into your soul and made you think this is who you are. We will undo that for you. We will labor for you if you're willing to confess your sin and repent. We'll send you to some... Uh, areas where you can get the counseling you need. You know, we'll get you back into life so that you can receive Jesus Christ and be born again and go to heaven and live in the eternal bliss of God. But we won't stand by and let you do this in our society, in our county, in our city, knowing that you're going to die. 
We can't let you do that. We can't let you do that. If you want to live that way, go over there, participate, but leave our county alone. Leave our city alone. Leave our children alone. Leave our restaurants alone. Leave our businesses alone. Go somewhere else if you want to die an eternal death. Now, of course, politicians are going to say that a lot nicer. You know, you got to get in there. You got to do it. You got to nice, smooth oratory skills. Come on, this is not the right way. We love you. Now, if that doesn't happen and things continue the way they're going, if Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas refuse to root out the corruption because they want to bring it back to what was once moral, that's called that's how revival begins, right? And here we're talking about survival. If you want to survive the onslaught of what's coming in America at this moment, you got to do what we're saying. There is no other way. Or the other alternative, go find your wilderness and run for your life. When you see these things begin to come to pass, flee to the mountains. If there's no wall built, like in the days of Nehemiah, if the churches in this region will not gather together and build a wall and root out the the evil, there is no other alternative but to run for your life, to hide, get into your chamber and shut the door until the indignation be overpassed. Because that simply means that the moment has passed of opportunity to stand in the gap in the city that you belong to. Oh, but that's really hard because a lot of Christians love pornography. People that go to church love all kinds of stuff. But it's where's the repentance? If the church doesn't repent from its gossip and its pride, if the church doesn't repent, how can we see anything work? You grow up into the strong delusion where people believe a lie. Deception is everywhere. Every man, every woman, every child that's participating in this LGBT stuff, they are deceived. We want to help, not by giving you power to participate in your sin, to get you out of it. There's one conclusion to this matter. There's one conclusion. There's only one direction for where it's going in America. See, the United States of America is in Bible prophecy. It is the seventh world power while Israel is a nation. Go back to what we said earlier. First Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. No nation for nearly 1,900 some odd years. Israel becomes a nation, while the USA is the superpower. The seventh will last a short time, Revelation 17. Then the United Nations, which is the eighth, which is made up of all the ancient empires of the world, Islam, communism, Christianity, it's all going to gather, is the eighth. 
in the USA is about to be destroyed because it only lasts a short time. 200 years plus is a short time in comparison to ancient empires. America is in Bible prophecy as the seventh, and it's ready to be destroyed. It's dying. It's been gasping for air for years now. A dagger has gone through her belly, and there's a great strike coming to her heart. And when the great strike hits the heart, every system in America that we've known as being good and acceptable will die. A massive heart attack is coming to this nation. There's a birth pang coming. It's going to be a loud one. Not the last one. It's going to be a loud, wailing cry. It's going to hit the earth. It's coming. You're being forewarned today. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it if you're still breathing. Nobody knows when it's going to happen, not even the woman that's in travail. So every single moment of the pause, you got to do something. What is being birthed, by the way? Mm. A son of perdition, a man of sin, a little horn, an antichrist, the eighth. What's being born? What's, what are the nations of the earth? giving birth to a new world order. I know my conversation is not popular. I believe it. I want you to know I believe every single word that I just said. And my source of information is in the book. Yes, I believe in God, not a false God the God of the Bible. I believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died on the cross just outside the city gates of Jerusalem on a mountain called Calvary. The hill of a skull. I believe he died on that cross for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. That all who call upon him shall be saved. I believe that he died on that cross. He was buried. I believe he was buried in a tomb. Jesus, Yahshua, the Christ, the Messiah. I believe that on the third day he rose from death, having the keys of hell and death in his hands. He conquered the devil. He broke the curse. He became a curse for us. I believe that. And I believe that he stayed on this earth for 40 days and 40 nights, And afterward, he ascended to heaven to receive a kingdom spoken of in Daniel chapter 7. And after receiving that kingdom, he sat down at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning, waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for him. And I believe on the 50th day after he ascended, after his death, burial, resurrection, on the 50th day, 10 days later after his ascension, he gave his spirit. And he's been pouring out the spirit since to all who believe to seal them with the gift of eternal life, to convince them and convict them to live the ways of God. Yes, I believe the word of God, that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer to fulfill and obey 
God's word, to live in this world as salt and light, to be empowered and inspired, to go for the highest heights, to be conformed into the image of Christ. Yes, I believe that there is supernatural power greater than all the combined powers of the universe, that the singular power of Jesus Christ can rout any enemy, break any yoke, destroy every weapon. I believe. And because I believe, I'm not allowed to lose my love, and I don't want to lose my love. I want the love of God to be so shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, that it will have much room to flow. I want the truth. I believe in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that he is the only way to God, the true God. And if people are sidestepping Jesus, they're like thieves and robbers going up another way. I believe that the religious leaders of our day that want to kill the true Jesus are no different than they were. 2,000 years ago. I believe there's a counterfeit, harlot, whore church that's dressed up like one but isn't one. I believe that organized religion is going to be one of the worst nightmares on this earth, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Chrislam, Judaism, any one of the religious organizational structures is a nightmare. The only truth of an ecclesia are people whose hearts organically have been integrated with the Spirit of God. Because they believe in Jesus and obey his word and do what he says to do. Is there room for growth? Absolutely. Now, Mayorkas may say, your speech betrayeth you. You are inciting to violence. Really? I think what you do behind closed doors is probably more violent than anything I've said. Repent. But you're the hero of the moment for the left. You're the DHS head. Wow. You have a head. It's not Joe Biden or your globalist buddies. It's Jesus Christ you're going to give an account to. And that's the truth. And if I were you, I'd descend from your high horse and I'd repent of your sin and become a part of what is righteous and beautiful and repent of your ugly sins like we've all had to. Stand before God uncondemned. Because right now, you are condemned to eternal damnation. And so is every person practicing, whether you're a so-called Christian, whether whatever you're doing, you're, you're participating in the sins that the Bible calls an abomination, you are standing condemned. I don't care how much you use the name Jesus, but devils believe in Jesus and tremble. So anyways, got some calls coming in. Why don't we shift into that right now? Calls coming in. You never know what a Tuesday is going to bring. I've got a brother calling in right now from area code 916. I want to make sure all the settings are great. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Hello, Brother Mark. How are you, my friend? Oh, gosh, I am blessed and highly favored. And I'm really 
really, really excited about some wording that you used just a couple of minutes ago. Um, you were talking about believers whose hearts are organically, organically, and I forgot the next word you used, organically blended or integrated. organically connected. Integrated, thank you. Organically integrated with the word, with the spirit of God. And that integration right there, Pastor, is what makes the difference between a believer who is becoming an overcomer and who will be a part of the, the group of 144,000 as discussed in the book of Revelation. That's the difference between such a believer and a believer who is scarcely saved. And then you have billions and billions of non-believers who just don't stand a chance. The, the, the problem with society today, Pastor, is that people choose, by and large, people choose willful ignorance. And if you look at what ignorance actually is, ignorance is a purposeful, intentional turning away from the truth or turning away from a fact. Ignorance is not something that is organic. Ignorance is not something that is natural. Ignorance is a man-made choice to, to disregard and not pay attention to the truth. Satan has it set up pretty well within human society. Satan is pretty brilliant when it comes to orchestrating ignorance. <clears throat> Keep in mind now, the mathematics of it as set forth by the book of Revelation, 144,000 overcomers. 144,000 people is the tiniest, tiniest fraction of the total population of planet Earth. It's just a, a speck of dust. It's a grain of sand compared to how many souls are living on planet Earth. What Satan has orchestrated he has created and orchestrated so many broadcast channels of ignorance. If you look, let, let's not even talk about the digital age yet. Let's talk about the 1950s and the 1960s and the 1970s before the advent of the computer and the Internet. We have television channels of which there are thousands. We have radio stations of which there are thousands. We have print media, books, magazines, leaflets, newspapers, of which there are thousands. And if you look at those, if you're able to scan those through your mind really quickly, you'll see that most of that imagery captured in those aspects of media, most of that imagery is demonic. You have pictures of people scantily dressed. You have pictures of cigarettes and alcohol and prescription medications. You have the overlying theme in all of those publications is self-gratification, the seeking of pleasure, the seeking of escape. All of this blended together equals ignorance, ignorance of the truth. Now, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is one single channel of truth as set down by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord God. The Bible is a small little channel, yet it contains truth. 
It is the only source of truth. Now, let's go ahead and jump ahead to the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, where we're at today, the digital age. We have billions and billions of computers. If you look at the billions and billions of websites, you will see that the vast majority of them are setting forth evil imagery, idolatry, self-seeking, self-gratification, escape, ignorance. All of this stuff was engineered by Satan. And only the tiniest channel, the tiniest number of channels is available on the Internet. New Wine Ministry is one of these channels where a person can find truth, the word of God. This is the condition of society today. It is so much more prevalent amongst human society to be ignorant, to choose ignorance, to be working in the Holy Spirit, to be aware of the Holy Spirit, to live in the light of the Lord and live in the Spirit and walk in the kingdom takes a lot of work. It's not easy. It's so much less convenient than remaining ignorant and just floating along like a little chip of wood on the waves at sea. I really applaud you, sir, because you are choosing the narrow path I really appreciate the work that you're doing in broadcasting the hard word that you do. You know, Pastor, if you were to have a quick one-on-one discussion with a typical homosexual who is self-absorbed and pleasure-seeking, you would find a huge argument underlying that person if you mention to them that their behavior is unholy and is going to land them in the wrong place. They're going to encounter a very, very energetic argument. And that argument is brewing in such a person because deep down inside where that person lives, they know in their heart that they are doing wrong, yet they're not willing to be convicted by the Holy Spirit and they're not willing to pay attention to the word of the Lord. They are from moment to moment, minute to minute, day by day, choosing to remain ignorant. And that's a very painful place to live in. We just need to continue to pray for such people that somehow the Holy Spirit will reach them. The whispering of the Holy Spirit will be loud enough to overpower the roar of Satan in this world. That, sir, is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, it's it's an incredible story, and while you're talking, um, I'm feeling the weight in my in my belly. Uh, there are parents who have lost their children to this LGBTQ community. Um, there are parents out there who love the Lord, who have lost their children. They've been caught in the snare, um, and it's not just homosexuality, lesbianism, and all these other isms out there, transgenderism. Um, There are parents whose hearts are broken over the loss of their children to drugs. Uh, There are children out there whose parents are uh, brokenhearted because their children were kidnapped and taken into the sex trade uh, industry. 
Um, there are parents out there who love their children and have been heartbroken over their rebellion against the light and truth that they grew up with and ran into the world to experience and to suck up all the stuff that goes on. There are parents everywhere that are hurting. And I could imagine standing by, um, you know, you're hearing this message, you love your, your, your son, you love your daughter, you love your grandchildren, and you're hearing this very hardcore message and uh, you're, you're sitting there thinking, um, this hurts. And you could almost get angry about it. You could almost say in your heart, um, you know, I don't like the way that this is being said. I don't like what is being said. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is no parent wants to see their beautiful daughter, you know, pimped up by some guy, put on cocaine, you know, hookered out somewhere, uh, she shows up in her 30s and her teeth are gone and her mind is gone and her virginity and her innocence and beauty is gone. Um, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that kind of pain, that kind of hurt. And you say, well, what do I do? I lost my, my son to homosexuality. I lost my daughter to lesbianism. You know, I, I, I've met so many people in 30 years as being a pastor that, that just absolutely love the Lord. They came to our church and their greatest pain their greatest pain was in their heart concerning the loss of their children. They lost their children. Their son was given over to homosexuality, living with another man. Their daughter was given over to lesbianism, living with another woman. Grandchildren were out there going to the bars and supporting that, that kind of lifestyle. And I've watched these Christian people feel so embarrassed uh, wounded, um, not knowing really what to do, but to have hope that somehow their kids will turn and repent. It's a wound. You see, it's not just, and that's why that song that came out of San Francisco where all the homosexuals were singing, we're coming for your children, we're coming for your children. See, when they sang that, they wanted to put pain in their parents' heart that were teaching their children moral truths and uh, spoke out against homosexuality. They wanted them to pay. They wanted to take their children captive and do this to them so that the parents would pay, those Christian moralists. It really is a hate-filled world. To the parents that have lost their children to homosexuality, drugs, sex trafficking, or other things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. To the mother that poured out her love to try to win her daughter and simply was not able to do it. I'm sorry. What do you feel like when you lose someone you love? to an agenda that just keeps bombarding their brain day after day after day after day after day to become. I think about this guy, Harari, the Economic Wealth Forum, as he was talking to world rulers, they were sitting like kindergartners in a classroom, 
and he's telling the story how kids could go to the computer and search out the algorithm and the algorithm of everything they talk about, touch and see and feel and everything. The algorithm's got them all figured out. It'll tell you if you're a homosexual or not. Let's go check out the algorithm. It'll tell you who you really are because the algorithm knows better than you know. Think about growing up in a society. You send your kid to a birthday party and they come out and the algorithm told them they're gay. I don't know what to do with that. That's brutal. It's a lot of pain. And the only thing to do is to give up, right? To say, well, wait a second. You know, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. Johnny is happy. Okay, he's gay. He's gay. And I'm just going to go with it. And I'm not going to say anything against it. I'm going to love him. I'm going to love her. Um, Because if I say something, they're going to get angry. And then I'm not going to see them for a long time. And I don't want that to happen. So I want to remain intact. And I want it to work because God is good. And God can make it happen. And and so you, your life becomes evolved into this. I'm sorry. Because that's not what God intended you. Maybe you believe it's your mission to save your kids. Maybe it is. How do you do it in this climate? By saying nothing? Praying. I know a lot of people praying for their kids, for their loved ones. And in some cases, their prayers prevail. So don't stop praying. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for your spouses because we're finding out that women are waking up to finding out that their husband was having an affair, but not with another woman, with another man. And vice versa. It's a sin-sick world. It's a sin-sick world. And you can't hide from it But when you stop confronting it, there's nowhere else to go. you got to confront. As a Christian, that's what you do, is you confront. You don't capitulate. You don't compromise. You confront. Well, I'm afraid to confront. Everybody's afraid to confront until you've learned not to be afraid to confront. I don't like conflict. Well, neither do I. Who wants to live in conflict and confrontation? I'll tell you one person that was designed by God to be confrontational. That was Jeremiah the prophet. I think he was 16 years old when the Lord took hold and apprehended him. And he said, Jeremiah, I'm putting my words in your mouth. You say what I say. And if you don't say what I say, I'm going to confound you before these people. You just say what I tell you to say. And Jeremiah later on in his book cries out, I'm a contention to the whole world. He was raised up by God to confront his society. It wasn't popular. You say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor Vincent. That's Old Testament. What is the church not raised up to confront? Is the church not supposed to be confronting devils and demons and ideologies and concepts and and immorality and confusion that has hit the world through the sin that would cause confusion. I mean, that's Old Testament? That's your thought? What are you as a Christian supposed to be doing? Non-confrontational? No contention? No conflict? 
no salt, no light, then you're good for nothing. That's what Jesus said. Your, your salt's trampled under, you, you've lost your saltiness, and you're good for nothing. You don't want to be that way as a Christian, do you? You don't want to tell Christians to be non-confrontational, do you? Really? Unless, of course, you think the confrontation's over. There's no use of it anymore. Well, I like that God leaves a final witness, warns the wicked one more time, one more day. But more than being confrontational and contending with all these things, is preparing for them. I'm going to leave here in just a moment. I want to say hello to our friends in the chat room. Let's see what's going on there. Phil Buswell, good morning. Good morning, Phil. Elder Phil. Kevin Hauger, good morning, Pastor, fellow followers of Jesus Christ. Kevin said riots will be coming. Hmm. Riots will be coming. Yeah, there's a big pain coming. Cindy Messman, good morning. Good morning, Cindy. Shirley Wolseley, good morning from Texas. We love the Lord and this ministry. Thank you for your love for us. We appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Shirley, God bless you. Diana Langford, very interesting. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome, Diana. God bless you. God bless your heart. Charles Eastridge, amen. Okay, Charles, God bless you. Good morning, Shirley Wolseley. God bless you. Sandra Matlow, good morning, Pastor Vincent Xavier. Good morning, Sandra Matlow. Shirley says, Cindy Messman, thank you. I love the love that is New Wine Ministries shows to everyone. Amen. There's a lot of love in New Wine Ministries, believe it or not. Bob Horton. Well, it's not hard to do. Bob Horton says, Barb, I'm sorry, Barb Horton. I agree that the majority of Christian churches are conforming, blending in with the world instead of standing up for Jesus and confronting evil. My heart is heavy when pastors fall from grace. It should be. It should be. Autumn Nichols says, unfortunately, most churches aren't offensive anymore. They preach to itching ears. So sad. So true. Kevin Hatter, how can an alphabet person know how it is to be a true parent and know what is required from God to bring up a child? I guess they can't. I guess they won't. Okay, just a minute. If you wanted to make a phone call today, talk about anything, any comments, 818-369-0326. I definitely need to put this on the board. For anybody that has a child that is lost uh, to the homosexual agenda, if you have a loved one that has been caught in the snare, if you know somebody that is just addicted to drugs, if you know, if, if there's a situation in your life and you need intercessory prayer, call this number, 479. 233-3774. Get prayer. Get help. Let somebody come alongside of you and stand in the gap with you. Okay, if you've heard this conversation and you're like overwhelmed, call that number. 479-233-3774. There are people that love the Lord, that know how to pray, that want to stand in the gap with you, and potentially see miraculous things happen. I mean, there are parents who have prayed for their kids who were lost, and they have been found. We can believe for that. So go for it if you're one of those. Now, the, the scripture that I, wanted, I, I need to leave with today, because I think it's kind of all connected, is what was said in the book of Amos, chapter 11, or excuse me, chapter 8, verse 11. Amos, chapter 8, verse 11, reads this way. 
Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Praise the Lord. Wise virgin, get oil. Get your victuals, your preparations. Transition is coming. Transition is here. Transition means going from here to here. And the journey in the transition is what you're doing right now. I have hope. I have faith. I have love. It's in God. It's in the scripture. It's in Jesus Christ. It's in the Holy Spirit. It's in everything written in this word. I have hope. I'm not hopeless. I have faith. I'm not a doubter. And I have love in my heart for all people. All people. And I call all people to repentance today. In the church and in the world. The day of accountability is awaken to reality. Wake up. We'll see you tomorrow. By the way, before I go, it's May 3rd, and if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do that a number of different ways. Probably the best way to support this ministry financially is to send a gift or a blessing to this address. It's P.O. Box 100. It's in Decatur. It's in Arkansas. We are, and we've been told that we're out there, we're in the forefront. The words that we speak could draw a lot of negativity towards us. And um, we're doing it. And we need your support to do what we do, which is to keep telling the truth. And if you believe that this ministry is telling the truth, if I'm telling the truth, if if it's biblical, then I need your support. I need your support. You know, obviously in prayers, cover us in the blood of Jesus, cover our ministry, New Wine Ministries, cover my family, cover my life in prayers. Talk to God. If you believe what we're doing is accurate and right, and then support us financially. You can do that by giving a gift to P.O. Box 100, Decatur, Arkansas, 72722. We've made it as easy as possible, and thank you for giving. You can go to a website, omegaradio.org. You can give online there. You could give online at another website, nwmglobal.org. You could actually give a blessing by typing in on your phone by going to a text, 41088 omega Type in the word give. Lots of ways you can give support. 
Paul the Apostle made it very clear that partnership with his calling with the churches was that they supported him financially as well. Thank you for your support. Whether it be much or whether it be little, may it be cheerful and may it be on purpose and may be a connection to the word of God that's being presented on this broadcast. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Have a super blessed day. Right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Omega Radio. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.